We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience 2020 PGA Championship DraftKings Millionaire Picks and Preview. If you want to help out the show, smash the like button. Give me your favorite DraftKings sleeper in the comment section. Or what you can do is subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast, Apple podcast, Spotify podcast, Stitcher podcast, Google podcast, podcasts of other destinations. You can find the Pat Mayo Experience anywhere. Rate it five stars. Leave a review. It would really help out the show, too. If you want to find all of the content for the week, hit the description of this video and podcast, and you'll find the betting show, the one and done, the first look, the article, everything that you need to prepare yourself for TPC Harding Park is in that description. The Listener's League link for DraftKings is also in the description, but it happens to be full for the week. you got to get in early. Every single week, it fills by, like, Monday afternoon. That's why you got to really pay attention to that first look show, because that is the first time you get a chance to enter the Pat Mayo Experience DraftKings Open. Also, if you want all the tools, all the stats, the ownership projections, the simulator, FantasyNational.com is a promo this week, 20% off. If you go to FantasyNational.com slash Mayo, you get 20% off. All of the stats that you will see on the graphics in this show will be from FantasyNational.com. So highly recommend you become a member today. You get a monthly, a yearly, a weekly if you just want to test it out. And listen, golf isn't going away anytime soon, hopefully. And, you know, the playoffs are coming up. We've got some big fields, and there's two more majors so far. So so far, well, there's only no majors so far this year. One major now, two later on. So there's plenty of time to go around. FantasyNational.com slash mail. Let's bring him in. The crew for the majors. Starting off, hitting leadoff from RickRunGood.com. It's Rick Gaiman. What's up, dude? What's going on, Pat? Major season. Here it is. The only one of the season, not the year. We'll get a couple more later. But uh, I was not expecting to be this excited. But uh, here we are. Ben Raza from awesomeo.com is also on the line. Ben, 
Have you ever been this excited for a PGA Championship? Or has the restart, because of all these like major-esque fields that we've been going through, kind of diminish it a little bit? Because it doesn't, in my mind. It feels great. No, it feels great. Uh, I didn't think we would... I'll, I'll be lying. I didn't think we'd get any majors this year uh, at various points. So this this feels like a kind of a treat, a free roll in a way. And they're first. Like, usually this is the last one, kind of the worst of the four, in my opinion. But I, I've never been this excited for a PGA Championship. Well, one of the things that it could do, like going from August into May on a normal schedule, I think really enhanced the profile of the PGA Championship just because it wasn't last anymore. And it's, you know, the British Open has its built-in audience. People love the British Open. You can make that last, and it's not going to take anything away from it. The only other thing I think you could do is run, like, the PGA Championship in February in, like, Australia or something like that. Make it, like, an international major. I think that would be pretty cool, Ben. I mean, this is the one if they ever want to get creative, like do a match play or a weird venue, it's the PGA. Like the other three have a clear identity uh, and those aren't changing anytime soon. Yeah, well, the PGA Championship first started as a match play, so maybe we can go back to that. Although I I hate watching match play on TV because it's not super entertaining once you get to like the final four people, just really slow. But Mm. the biggest thing that we were talking about before we came on air, Rick, is what the fuck is going on with the cut line? (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, so my best guess is that it is top 65 and ties. Although if you look at the media guide, it says top 70 and ties. But I think the general, and this is crazy that we just assume that's wrong. The official media guide is wrong. And that someone copied and pasted last year's media guide and forgot to update this. So uh, my best, my hunch is that it is top 65 and ties like we have seen for Every other tournament on the PGA Tour this season, you know, the fewer six of six lineups, uh, I would be pretty surprised if they changed it to top 70 and ties just for this week. But uh, the official word is top 70, but we'll see if we can get that figured out in the next couple of days. Yeah. And Ben, you had pointed out, like, it's not like you're going to construct your lineups any differently. It's like, oh, I think this guy's going to come 68th so I can <laughs> squeeze him in now. If it was top 65 and ties, don't worry about it, but it will affect the six of six percentage hugely. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. The, the, the reason you want to know is because uh, I was saying this before the show, if on Friday, your guy lands in like 68th, that would be the ultimate bad sweat wondering if he's just going to come out on Saturday, we should know, but yeah, you're not going to change your lineup construction and say, Oh, now I got to rework things because it's, it's top 65 or top seven day. Yeah, so we're doing a cut sweat show on Friday myself, Jeff. I think Cuss is going to be on the line. It's going to be a friends and family. If I, Rick, I know you have obligations with CBS, but if you're kicking around, you might want to hop on and sweat it along with us. YouTube, and you have an open invitation to come do this until the show becomes so unmanageable with all of us yelling at each other and like sweating different people that it's unwatchable. But hey, that's part of the fun of the cut sweat show. I'm guessing that's going to go like 7 p.m., 7.30 p.m. Eastern time because we're on the West Coast for the PGA Championship. Uh, also, live chat Wednesday, 12.30 p.m. Eastern time on the DraftKings YouTube channel, the Pat Mayo Experience Facebook page. That is facebook.com slash the PME. I'll be answering your questions, going over my finalized betting card, updating the weather, all of that fun stuff. Uh, and you can catch it on demand after the fact on the audio podcast feed as well. I think I'll be doing giveaways for free millionaire tickets on noon on my Twitter feed at the PME. Uh, I usually get 20 to give away, but hey, maybe this isn't like filling as quickly because there are other sports back. Maybe they'll give me 50, something like that. I don't know. I have no promises from me, but from noon to 2 p.m. Eastern time on my Twitter feed, there will be a giveaway for DraftKings tickets. Let's jump into the course. TPC, Harding Park, 7,234 yards. 
Might play 7,400 from the tips. Par 70, Brooks Kepka is the two-time defending champion at this setup. Not this course, but this tournament with the PGA of America setup. Rick, what were your first thoughts on the type of player? Before we get into the weather or you know the, the wind, the temperature, how the course is actually setting up the rough or anything like that, what were your initial leans on the type of player that would play well at Harding Park? This is kind of a weird one, but I think you need a smart player. Uh, the PGA Championship, and especially the way that they've kind of done some of the uh, rent, not renovations, but to get to get TPC Harding Park in PGA Championship shape, you know, they've added tee boxes, but not to add length to change the angles is why they've done it. So you need a guy who is willing uh, to to play to where the course wants you to go and to hit in from the angles. It's why someone like Bryson DeChambeau could be a concern because he's just bombing anywhere, go find it. And if you're at the wrong angle, you could be dead around Harding Park. So that's part of it and then you know there's i think there's six dog leg lefts there's six dog leg rights you need a guy who can shape their shot both ways justin thomas had a quote that was basically like oh i looked at the yardage book uh there's a lot of right to lefts which doesn't really set up for me he likes to hit that little cut that little fade uh obviously he's joking a little bit he has everything in the bag but you need a well-rounded smart player who 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 knows you can lose a golf tournament on Thursday you cannot win it on a Thursday and you just have to continually put yourself in position around this course yeah Ben what was the your initial lean because I know that you're really big and we'll talk about different strategies that you can take in constructing your DraftKings lineup a little bit later or maybe even right after this but would you be doing your skill set stack this week yeah, I, I think those are more important when we have a course that nobody actually knows about because yeah we have an idea of what may be important but it's not like we see this year after year and we know, uh, okay, dry, it's driving distance. You have to bomb it. You know, they're going to make it play long, the thick fog. Or maybe it's you got to keep it out of the rough and this, these giant trees, apparently. I mean, I, obviously something has to give the way they're kind of talking about it. It's going to play long. You need to hit it in the fair. Well, if that's the case, it's going to play incredibly difficult. I don't know if we see that. Honestly, the first thing that came to my mind was, I think this is going to be great because it reminds me of Quail Hollow, and I love that course. Uh, I think it's going to be an interesting combination where you need a little bit of everything like Rick talked about, but until we know for sure, I, I do think you want to play a, diff- a couple different scenarios out there to cover some bases. I talked about this on the betting show with Feinberg when I was more or less looking at long shots because the players that you're talking about, the long and straight players, those are like the five best players in the field. You can't just put them all into one lineup or bet the top five guys on the betting board. But I think that you want to try to find a specialist. And I know, Ben, this is something that you usually talk about when finding your scrubs down on the $6,000 level is that do they have one skill that is just way better than everyone else? So like, Cameron Champ, he can drive the ball way better than everyone else in his like price range. Someone like Kevin Na tends to be a better iron player and putter than everyone else in his price range. So I think that that would be the method that you're looking for. Now, those are two completely different types of players. So you might want to go with one route and then go with another route and construct your lineups that way. But Ben, are you concerned about this weather at all? Because now people are like, oh my God, it's going to be like 55 degrees. Like, should we really be concerned? Like, the only person that really concerns me with is Tiger Woods in his back. Yep. Yeah, and I'm probably not going to get to Tiger too much anyway. So, uh, it, listen, I, do I think it's a little concerned? Sure, but at the end of the day, there's bigger problems than it might be a little cold. It might be a little windy, too. Um, they can set it up how they want it. I think everyone's kind of said that. They have some leeway. If they really want to make it tough, they can. Uh, maybe it'll be a little more forgiving than usual. 
we're gonna have to wait and see. And that is again, why you have to plan for different things. Cause we truly don't know this course hasn't been seen. It was a, it was a WGC at one point, uh, but that was several years ago. Yeah. Rick, what skill sets do you think you would be looking for? Cause I tried to set up like two separate versions. I went with my, like, I'll call it the Jim Furyk prototype where you hit a bunch of fairways, you're really good with your long irons, and you're a really good putter. Or have sort of the bomber mentality, the guys that might go bomb and gouge at this. You know, they'll be closer to the hole, but they'll be playing from the rough, so they're not going to be able to hold some of these greens. So they have to have, like, at least an average short game to save themselves a little bit, but they'll probably do a bit more scoring. And there's, like, two of these holes which look on paper drivable if they have the right tee boxes. <laughs> Yeah, the, the scorecard's pretty interesting just to kind of glance through and, and roll through. Um, I, I probably like the latter skill set of the two that you described, Pat. I mean, I, I, under, I appreciate the angles and not being able to just bomb it, you know, 400 yards, which I don't think anybody's going to do in the conditions we're going to see at Harding Park this week. But uh, just bombing and gouging, I think I prefer a little bit because, you know, they are larger green, 7,000 square feet. You know, the last couple of weeks or a few times in the restart, we've seen some really small greens we've seen uh like like harbor town which is some of the smallest greens on tour um same thing with with last week so i i'm okay if you have to hit it out of the rough because there is green to hit i, I just think you need to be in the fairway i mean what we're seeing from the clips that are being posted from the reports from the guys that we have at the course or the cbs guys who have already been there like the rough is it's it's gnarly and and you have to remember this is a muni course it's a public course you can go play this they really brought the fairways in and i think they're like 60 percent of what they are when you know you and i would go play this course so i mean it's going to be tight it's going to be rough and that marine layer that weather that you guys are talking about it creates a very heavy ball it creates like kind of a i don't want to say wet situation but everything feels wet when that marine layer rolls in it's like a two club type of difference so i think you need to be long uh more than anything here and then if you can also find the fairway obviously that's great but i think i'd prefer you just to bomb it so I'm just looking at the weather report right now. Obviously, it's still very early. I'll hit on this again on the live chat, 1230 p.m. Eastern time uh, when I do that show. And then th with a bit of a later start, because it's on the West Coast, maybe you can check in again on Thursday morning. But Ben, this one kind of falls on you. When constructing your DraftKings lineups, we talked about a skill set stack. You want to go with all bombers. You want to go with like all balance. You want to go with all act short hitting accuracy, long iron type players. The other way to do this is to stack your lineups. Like I'm looking at Thursday right now. I know this is going to hold but from 8 a.m local till 1 p.m local winds are like five miles per hour after 1 p.m local they're like 25 miles per hour like if people don't know and i know there's a lot of new people coming in to play DraftKings for the first time this week so i want to spell this out for people like you can do an a.m p.m stack meaning that you're isolating a particular weather stack and taking six guys from either the morning wave who will play the afternoon on friday or play the afternoon on friday into the morning wave do you see yourself because of a lot of the unknowns going with different types of these stacks this week Definitely. You know, when, when we talk about correlation, it doesn't have to just be tee times. It doesn't have to just be skill sets. It's just anything that may give you six guys kind of pulling the same way together. Uh, so if you can find something that could be predictive, uh, there's no reason to, to go away from it. So I'm sure I will look at the weather and maybe take a couple teams. And sometimes what I do is I build out a team and then say I have one guy left. Um, between two players if one of them is with the other five well if I have them close enough that kind of pushes it over the top so you can use it as a tiebreaker as well and not you know force yourself into an am or pm stack if you don't want to 
Before we jump into the pricing and make some of these picks for the PGA Championship, Rick, I just want to throw away, before we get into all the minutia of, oh, this guy says that this guy is going to be popular, and everyone's writing about this guy, so I need to fade him now. Initial thoughts when you looked at the pricing, who did you think like the three highest owned guys were going to be? Oh, man. Um, I, I assumed uh, Dustin Johnson at $9,000 would be very popular. Um, I assumed that Brooks Kepka will carry quite a bit of ownership. And then for some reason, um, I think Jason Day kind of gets there. He's now got three straight top top tens and he's 8400 bucks, and he's got a PGA championship resume that is a basically second to none. So those were the ones that popped off to me like, oh, boy, there's going to be some popularity here. Yeah, Ben, for me, like, I just tried to figure out, like, how are people going to construct Brooks lineups? Because that just logically makes yeah. the most sense. And I, Xander is always popular. And even though he hit his irons yep. very poorly last week, the WGC just still managed to make one bogey, made one quad and one actual bogey all week with an immaculate around the green game. Something he's not really known for, by the way, if, you, if you're wondering about Xander. Generally, he just drives the ball and hits his irons really well. But I initially thought before, like, the pricing had come out where Dustin was so low at 9000 that, like, people are going to be off Dustin. Uh, that doesn't appear like it's going to be the case. But I'd say, like, Brooks, Xander, Dustin. And then I couldn't figure out what to do with these, like, $8,000, $7,000 guys. I know, like, two or three of them are going to be way more popular than the others. But I can't really pinpoint who it's going to be. No, that range, and obviously we'll get into it. They got a lot of question marks, big name players, but not a lot of guys who were playing well. Um, not a lot of guys who who were super confident in terms of garnering ownership. I'm with you guys. I think Brooks Brooks and DJ stood out the most. Berger was a name that I mean I'm not super thrilled about it, but he he seems to kind of get it done week after week. I think, I think people are warming to the idea that he can be a you know, around a 9K golfer in a major field and be just fine. Let's jump into this pricing. So everyone above $10,000, the highest price player coming off a win, the number one player in the world, Justin Thomas. He's 11-3. Brooks Kepka, he's 11-1. Rory, Rom, Bryson, Xander, Shoffley, who's an even $10,000, is that entire $10,000 range. We've got six guys to work with up here ben my initial lean is brooks and rom as my two favorite plays but something tells me that i'm gonna get sucked into rory here's the problem with but that's why i want to do the initial like ownership thing i feel like no one is gonna say they're gonna play rory no one's gonna write about rory no one's going to tout rory but the more the week goes on everyone's gonna come to this gigantic conclusion that no one's gonna use rory so i'll be sneaky and use rory and then we'll look he's like 25 percent out <laughs> Yeah, that happens a lot, actually, specifically with Rory sometimes because yeah. it's like, oh, you know, Rory's not playing that well. He's kind of the lost guy, and then he's never lost. So uh, obviously people are going to put, play Brooks. There's no doubt about that, but I'm interested in Rory, of course. Uh, going to drive it off the tee. Fantastic. The rest of the game is not great. I was disappointed last week. I really liked him, did nothing. Um, you got Rom there. Bryson's the odd man out immediately for me. But it's just weird. JT is someone, you know, I'm not worried. It's great that he won last week. It's not like I'm not going to play him off a win. It's just the most expensive guy in any field that is tricky when these guys are seemingly rotating. It, it No one really rises above the rest uh, week after week these days. Uh, Rick, per my power rankings, my custom stat model on FantasyNational.com, JT is number one since the restart in the stats that I'm looking at. There is no other player above $10,000 inside the top 10. 
I mean, JT's basically number one in the Rick Rungood eye test since the restart. <laughs> I mean, he's just been unbelievable. I mean, he, he should have two wins, right? He probably feels like he coughed up workday charity open. He has a, se- a second place finish there at Mirfield Village, and he's just been piling up top tens. I, I feel like Justin Thomas's game is so incredibly mature at the moment. He can do it all. You know, he can hit every single shot. He got a little lucky on Sunday with his ball uh, last week, you know, catching the catching the cart path, getting across on 15. But when he gets a good break like that, he takes advantage of it. He goes out, makes a birdie. He keeps his foot on the pedal. He's just, he's unbelievable. Now, I mean, golf's the only sport that we uh, we, we knock the guy who was the best player in the world last week. And we say, well, well, he certainly can't do that again. I don't know. I mean, it kind of feels like JT Ken. His game is in such good shape. It's not like a win for him is one that is going to be like, oh, now I've got to go celebrate. I've got to go do my media obligations, all that. He always has that going on. I'm not as worried as everybody else. I mean, he, he very clearly is the top, you know, should be the, the highest price golfer in this field. And I think if it wasn't a major, you'd probably see him closer to the $12,000 mark as well. Yeah, I, I'm having a really tough time, Ben, about Justin Thomas here, because you had mentioned Quail Hollow, and I see that as well. I mean, it might play a little bit like last year's PGA, but I think that winning score should be around, like for when Justin Thomas won at Quail Hollow two years, three years ago at the PGA Championship, minus eight. When Brooks won last year, it was at minus eight. I think we're going to see a minus eight to minus 12 type of score. I could be completely off on that but i think you almost have to like pick a target and then try to work backwards from that if you're wrong you're wrong if you're right you're right but you can't just be like well it could be minus two it could be minus 20 i'm gonna play every lineup possible like that's not a good strategy to take just pick a lane and go with it and hopefully you're right but i watch justin thomas and i don't understand how he doesn't make like quadruple bogey on half his holes and somehow he makes birdie on them like it just blows my mind yeah his game rick said it, it it's just when he catches breaks, he takes advantage of them. When he catches unlucky breaks, he minimizes the damage. You know, he caught a bad break, ball bun- bounced in that bunker, took his medicine, no no blow up, no triple. I mean, think if that was if that was Paul Casey, we would still be there. Um, <laughs> wait, it's just he finds a way to work in and out of trouble so well. Uh, cares about, you know, PGA, he's already got one. I, have, I can't knock him at all. It's just, is that, you know, 200, 600, 800, $1,000 difference from some of these other guys worth it on the back end and ownership wise i don't think he's going to stand out either way uh, but those are the decisions you really have to make uh early projections show and this is still a tuesday morning that xander shoffley is going to be the only player above ten thousand dollars above 20 percent. i haven't projected 26 percent at the moment now that's probably going to come back down to earth someone else is going to sneak up but rick you keep talking about bryson like i i don't love bryson here either but i actually think that kind of going back to what you said that this is going to take a smart player I actually think that Bryson is underrated course management smart. Like when you go look at the places he's played really well, they're usually really technical courses where it's not just bomb and gouge. It's, hey, I know I can hit my three wood up to this point, so I'm going to do that and just have the extra distance. I think he's pushing it a little bit right now, but it seems like he's going to be the least popular of all of these top guys. I think that he does very well on technical courses to a point. Uh, I think there is a level of hubris that, that comes in at some point. We saw this on 15 at the Memorial where he tries to hit the same hero shot three times that he can't hit uh, before carding uh, a 10 and then playing himself out of the weekend at the Memorial. We saw that when he was not engaged at the WGC and it could have been just because he was completely out of it. You know, he tries to drive the green on 18. I think that there is a balance that he is trying to take, which is, 
Um, I've done all this work to get as big and strong and hit the ball as far as possible. I also, I need to take advantage of that. So I need to take on risks or take lines that other guys in the field are not taking. So I think it's a little bit of both Pat. I think you're right. I think when it comes to the technical side and him thinking through the shots, he's one of the best, but I also still think he's trying to learn what shots he's able to hit on a consistent basis with his new body and his new skill set. So I could see this going both ways. If you, if you could get me, you know, a single digit ownership number on Bryson DeChambeau, who is probably the player of the year since the restart, you know, him and Justin Thomas are like the only two guys to gain two strokes per round uh, in the restart. Like, I think that would be very appealing in a Millie maker type situation. Uh, ben, last thing before we get out of the 10K range, who's your like one play from up here that you think you're going to lock? Oh, I mean, it would be like, you know, there are two, two Millies this week in the small one, which is obviously very expensive. Like if I had to pick one of these guys, it would be Rory. I, I don't have a star next to Rory yet. Like I said, I have Brooks and Rom. Those are my only two choices from up here. And uh, I don't know what to make of Rom, Rick. I mean, I think that he's going to play really well here. I just don't know what the public makes of Rom. Yeah, I, I don't know either. I think I'll probably be like fairly weighted on John Rom. Right? I'm not. I'm not trying to to get twice as much as the field. I'm not trying to fade him completely. I think he's pretty fairly priced for a guy who we know has the skill set to win. My, my concern with Rory is the irons, right? I mean, uh, since his last twenty rounds with his irons, he's gained one point eight strokes total. That's it. Total. He's basically a tour player in his last 20 rounds. If you put that into comparison to the 20 rounds before the restart, his last 20 measured rounds before the restart gained 21 strokes, a stroke per round. I mean, the iron game is just not there. And if you don't have that at a major championship, you, I mean, you see the results that he's put together. I, 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 that is my big concern about Rory. Yeah. The irons haven't been working. The around the green hasn't been working and the putting hasn't been working. The driving is still sensational. Like other, it always is, but like, yeah. other than that, he's great. Yeah. yeah. But like the, the stats, Stats do not point to Rory this week, but it always comes back to one of these things where I still think that if you just put, just put, cranked everyone's like rating up to, you know how when you can run projections uh, for fantasy, uh, this more or less is like football. You have like a range of outcomes. Like what is the 50 percentile projection for a player? What is the 99th percentile projection for a player? The 99th percentile projection for any player in this field, who's the best? I still think it's Rory. Yeah. Yes. His, his ceiling is probably better than anybody's. I completely agree. And I'll, I'll just say this. Like, if you told me, and I know this is a little counterintuitive, you said, who's my favorite up here? I said, Rory. If you also told me who's most likely out of the six to miss the cut, I would also say Rory. Um, like, I, I think his range of outcomes is just a little bigger. than Like, JT, I would be stunned if he doesn't make the weekend and make it respectable, even if he doesn't have it. But I, I still go in something like this when you're trying to win a million dollars. You have to find the winner. And I, I, even though he's not playing great, I still think that Rory's top end game uh, competes with everyone and, and more. Yeah. And that's, it's just how I feel about Brooks right now that it, I, yeah, I don't want to get into a situation where I galaxy brain myself out of not playing Brooks Kepka. <laughs> I just don't want to do it. I, I think he's probably going to win. Uh, I, I, I'm actually kind of, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm sure he's going to win in a field of 90, what, six of the top 100 players in the field, but it just feels like a Brooks win is coming. I mean, it's, he's been unbelievable. The ball striking is bonkers in the last two weeks. Nobody has gained more strokes in ball striking and Brooks has only played six rounds instead of eight. I mean, he's just unbelievable. If that putter gets even remotely lukewarm, like watch out, he's going to, he's going to win his third. It's unbelievable. Ben watching it like stay, seeing Brooks stand over a 30 foot putt 
makes me feel like he's going to make it. Him standing over a nine-foot putt feels like he's going to push it right. It's been just a weird, you know, he was. it looked like he was seriously injured for a little while there. Then he comes on and... Then it's like, oh my God, he's gonna he's gonna win, and then he's gonna win again this week. Uh, it's tough. Obviously, listen, the guy, he's unbelievable in, in these majors. There is something to that. I have been on the wrong side of him at multiple PGAs, uh, so there's nothing wrong with starting with Brooks, but there's nothing wrong with starting with any. This is why they're the top six for a reason. So the nine K range is super small this week it starts with webb simpson at ninety seven hundred dollars who actually won his u.s open across the street at the olympic club but uh these courses are not super similar even though they're very close in proximity then you have patrick cantlay at 94 tiger at 92 dj at nine thousand. that's i really wish dj was like 98 to tell you the truth because i think fewer people would play him and i love dj this week california if it's going to be like sort of a bomb and gouge type place he actually played really well in memphis gained off the tee gained an approach gained around the green just couldn't make any putts and he still came in 12th and i think that any course where you like brooks or you like rom you kind of like dj as well they're all such similar type players and what their skill sets actually go for but he's going to be chalky i think cantley is going to be super chalky too but i think the way that you can get away from their ownership is if you just start your lineups with someone like cantley rick yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, Cantley played himself out of the tournament last week on Thursday and Friday before shooting the best, the fifth best scores over the weekend. Uh, obviously, he's someone who can win in big fields. He has a memorial title under his belt, and he's only missed one cut in his 12 major championship appearances. Now, I know if you're spending $9,400 on a guy that he's probably got to do more than just make the cut for you. Uh, but Cantlay is certainly trending in the right direction. And, and you're right. I mean, like, it's a super small tier here. Uh, DJ Patrick Cantlay probably super popular the only thing that might save us there is the Tiger Woods effect and everybody who just wants to play Tiger now that that's a bit more concerning for me I, I rarely get to Tiger just because his, his popularity kind of drives the ownership up and you know we've talked about it it's it's a real thing when it's 48 degrees and a little chilly and that breeze is coming off the ocean uh, in San Francisco and you know he's a roll of the dice every single morning with how that back feels like I like I hate that that's the reason that I'm even talking about this but he's told us he likes it when it's hot and humid when it's 95 degrees in Memphis or it's you know 90 in Dublin Ohio like those are better situations for Tigers back and that's from his own mouth so uh, that's kind of where I'm at on the on the 9k range. Ben, I actually added Patrick Cantlay to my betting card uh, after I finished talking with Jeff on Monday. I grabbed him at 28 to 1 because I felt like that number wouldn't exist tomorrow. I was like, if I'm going to bet it, I got to bet it now. Uh, it's down to 25 to 1. So there's still a few 28s hanging out. I want to throw that out there in case you know, that number gets even worse by the time it goes on. How about this bet for you? Tiger Woods, 2 to 1 to miss the cut. I don't mind that at all. I actually also bet Cantlay, which is something I rarely, rarely do with him. Uh, consistent player no no problem with him DJ I mean it is a small range of course you have two guys that are going to be really popular you've got Tiger Webb is clearly the lost guy here I couldn't think of a worse setup for him to be honest but it's also Webb and I have a blind spot but I, I really dislike this course for what he does uh he's more of a Bermuda guy he's more of not what this is going to entail with the off the tee clearly his weak part of the game so you have two guys that I, I like like most in this range and then you have Tiger who's 
probably not for me this week. I just wish the driving was better with Tiger. If I saw something consistent off the tee from him at Memorial, then I would actually be all in because the rest of his game really sets up well. Great with his long irons. Great short game. We know he plays really well in California, but it seems like he's at the stage of his career now where... Rick, even one of these rounds at Memorial, like he he admitted after the round, yeah, like I couldn't get my back activated. And he shot like seven over. It's like, well, I can't have that happen at a major when you're 9,200 bucks. I mean, I, I'm I'm not kidding. And it, every single day is is a roll of the dice. We saw it at Memorial. Thursday, he looked great. He shot a couple under par, I believe. Friday, that was the day where you could see it. He, he could not get his body through his swing. Everything was uh, left out to the, to the right-hand side. He was kind of just swiping at the ball. And that's when he told us like, yeah, I, I couldn't get it activated. It wasn't a good day for me. The weekend looked a little bit better. The putting was, was kind of poor all week long, but I think that's a lot of, um, you know, the rest and repetitions, you need to get your reps in on, on the greens, but it's, it's crazy, Pat. I mean, the only thing to kind of consider about Tiger Woods, it's not about his game. It's, it's about his health. And if you're going to get like for him to win another major, you're going to have to get four really go really good rolls of the dice where he feels good for four straight days. I don't know if that's possible. I don't know if it's like 50% likely to happen. Like, I don't know what the number is, but it's too much risk when there's other guys here in this range that I like a lot. Ben, how about Tiger in like one of these round one or round two showdown? Yeah, that's again, very reasonable. If you want to get exposure to him, but you think that maybe one of the four days is something that Rick talked about where you just, you know, in a spot like this at 9,200, I don't know if Tiger can afford a day where he just doesn't have it around a course <laughs> like this. Like you, you can't be messing around. Um, and, and you know, it's, you're, you're comparing him against other world-class players. It's not like, can Tiger make a cut here and come in 23rd? Obviously he can do a lot better than that, but Cantley can win this. DJ can win this. These guys are, are serious threats. So uh, tough spot for him. And I'm just going to go with the public. I will leverage elsewhere. Yeah. The I'm fading Webb Simpson along with you, Ben. Uh, it makes me feel uncomfortable because I just I've seen it too many times like oh yeah this isn't a course for Webb then all of a sudden like Webb is playing great like it's a par 70 that's usually Webb's wheelhouse it, it's it's honest to god the bent grass stuff that really throws me off like par 70 Bermuda bet Webb to win every single time anything else like pass agree I I just I think this could be a spot where Webb is exposed off the tee a little um he you know his irons is putting but more on Bermuda of course is world world class i just can't imagine this is the best setup for him uh you know he wanted heritage and that's the kind of course that webb would win at so not not for me this week yeah he won in phoenix uh i mean that's on bermuda he won the players that's a par so that's par 72 on bermuda he wins heritage that's on bermuda I don't like I don't love like relying on putting splits, Rick, to like really inform my decisions. But I think you do have to, and it's not like he's a bad putter on bentgrass. He's just out of this world on Bermuda. That should I even be thinking about anything like this? So I'm probably compared to the industry more down on like the putting grass splits than most. I the only reason that I even care about it is because the players tell us this. Like when we when we talk to them and they're like, "Oh, I'm going back to Bermuda," or I'm I'm able to read these grains a little bit better. I think in reality. Uh, and for a lot of these guys, some guys we have a lot of rounds on. Some of them are super small sample sizes. And 
the difference between them making or missing a putt might be a misread. It might be a miss hit. It, like there's a lot of variance in putting that will never ever show up in the stats. And, and you look at the strokes gain numbers and a downhill six foot slider is the same value as an uphill dead straight six footer. It, there's, there's flaws in the system that I think get exposed when you shrink the sample size uh, down even further. And when we start doing putting splits, it, it gets a little bit hairy for me. So I, I'm down on it, but I think that a lot of players will tell us there are certain surfaces that they read better, that they feel that they put better on, whether the stats bear that out or not. Uh, $8,000 range. Feels like a million dollars is going to be one in here if you can pick <laughs> the right guy. Uh, it was a lot like last week uh, when I was doing the show and I was talking to Ulrich. Like there was that range of like Spieth, Day, and I think it was Ricky. Like, if you pick right between these guys, like one of those guys is probably going to end up on the winning roster. I don't know if they did or not, but all three of those guys ended up playing really well. Uh, Daniel Berger is 8,800 bucks. Colin Morikawa is 8,600. Hovland, Day, Fowler, Matsuyama, Fitzpatrick, Reed, and Hatton. Ben, we're doing it here. We're going with Patrick Reed, right? Always. You know, Patrick Reed, just bent grass, grinder. Doesn't matter if it's hard. Doesn't matter if it's easy. Uh, obviously, his ball striking isn't world standard when you look at some of the other guys in, in this range. Uh, but Reed is someone, even when he seemingly doesn't have it, he finds a way to get going. He does it in atypical ways. I don't love the form coming in, to be honest. Like he, He's had a couple of good putting weeks, and that's you know pumped up the stats a little. But it's been a little blah. Uh, I think he's one of the plays. I will be taking risk. Uh, targets in this room and decky who are really aggressive big risk but i do think big reward particularly with decky yeah so rick i don't know what to do with hideki i was more i had no interest in hatton just because he's played so poorly uh over his past two starts but i mean that could be isolated like if we're going to talk about conditions that aren't super hot uh with a bit of a dewy atmosphere maybe you have to play some like british style golf to roll it up I, like i still think that the greens and fairways are gonna be super firm yeah let's talk about terrell hatton because i think i'm an investor this week he's uh, like fifteen hundred two thousand dollars cheaper than he was last week so you get a pretty big discount and we knew this regression was coming pat i mean he was literally gaining like three strokes per round that is only been done by someone named Tiger Woods in the shot link era. So we knew the regression was coming. I think it maybe just all came at once, right? He lost 8.7 strokes to the field last week, the WGC, which is by far his worst measured event that I have in my database. So we have to kind of look at this and say, is this an outlier? Is this a bounce back opportunity? And there's no way he hits this floor again, or, and it's a buy low opportunity, or is this a sign of, of things to come? I'm probably more on the side that I'm willing to let it go. It's an outlier. It's one bad event, because if you look at his last 15 months, it's not a lot of events and it's all over the world. He's been in contention uh, seemingly every single time he tees it up. Yeah, Ben, I, I think that everyone's just going to go with Matthew Fitzpatrick into this situation. And I do think that there is some value to Tyrrell Hatton because I'm kind of like Rick. I don't really know what to make with the state of his game. And maybe just taking Patrick Reed is good enough to alleviate some of the ownership in this area. But I do find him intriguing if the course plays a certain way. I think the harder, the better with Hatton. Oh, no doubt. Um, and it's, it's funny because like I Hatton was due for some regression. He was living incredibly well with the putter. But if you look at Fitzpatrick, he is living even more dangerous with the putter. Now, he's a great putter, but nobody's this good. So 
Uh, I think Hatton went from one outlier to another. Uh, clearly, he's not as bad as he showed last week. The price has come back and normalized to an extent. I think if you're playing again, I'll go back to what we talked right at the top. If you think this is like maybe a really difficult where like two, three under wins it, then Hatton is a guy that I really think can grind uh, the harder, the better for him. Yeah, I just look back at uh, the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Now, I know these two courses don't really share much, but API is a really long course. There's a ton of water. There's almost no water uh, at Harding Park. I wouldn't actually expect to see a water ball unless Bryson really shanks it on 18 uh, to find that lake that goes down the left-hand side. But... I do think that there is something to playing that course and hitting fairways. If there's a bunch of wind, keeping it low. Like I do think that does fit Hatton's game a little bit. So I want to do a deeper dive onto him. He's on the short list of guys, but everyone else in this range besides, I mean, I'm playing a ton of Morikawa. I think everyone's going to be playing a ton of Morikawa. I think they should play a ton of Morikawa, Ben. But other than that, I'm taking a full pass on everyone else. It's again, it's a risk reward. I think these guys are very live to burn people. But I also do think that the winner could emerge from the eights. It wouldn't shock me. Uh, a lot of guys with some serious red flags, but also top end games. You know, Ricky, Decky, uh, guys that can get going. I, you know, Ricky is kind of separate for me. He's just really not able to close. Uh, but Decky is someone, even though his drought extends past when JT won that PGA. Um, he can handle a long, difficult track. He can lean on those long irons. Putter was bad last week, but not nearly as bad as it had been in weeks past. Yeah, well, and if you actually do use Quail Hollow as the corollary here, Ben, yeah, there you I, go. you'll have inside the top 10 at the PGA Championship in 2017, you'll have Patrick Reed, Louis Eustazen, Hideki, Ricky, and Jason Day. <laughs> yeah, I hope it's that. That's It's no coincidence <laughs> that was one of my best weeks ever. Uh, a lot of, lot of plays that I, I approve on that one. That week for you was better than the week you had when you won the hundred K at the masters. No, um, that was that thunder. That was, yeah, the, the read one was, it was 200, which made it slightly better, obviously. But, uh, it was when, when Decky went in the water, uh, on 18 for that PGA, that was very helpful because Kisner came up. Um, so I, I hope we see a repeat of that quail hollow leaderboard. That would make me very happy. Yeah. I, I have some of those guys, uh, too, not in, the 8K guys, more of the 7K guys, although Graham Dillette's not in the field, so he can't come inside the top 10 this week. Rick, do we have the same concerns about Jason Day as we do about Tiger, that in these sort of conditions, that maybe not the... Like, I don't understand how Jason Day has three consecutive top 10s. He legit holds his back every time he gets the ball out of the hole. Uh, it's unbelievable. I mean, he, and he, and he tells us he's doing that on purpose, which is kind of scary. He's trying to protect the back when he reaches down to grab his tee or grab his ball out of the cup. Uh, but I think I'm more optimistic about Jason day, just because it's been a larger sample size, right? It's now four straight events that he's gained strokes on approach, something he hasn't done since 2017. And that was when, you know, when Jason day was rolling, when he was in that 2015, 2016 run where he rattled off like seven wins in 18 stars it was because he was dialed in with his irons and he hit everything close and he rolled in every single putt and he went nuclear for for 15 months or so uh so i i am a little bit more optimistic on jason day's actual game because i've seen more of it and i've seen him play better yes of course the the back is always the lingering issue but hey hopefully that keeps i don't know if that keeps people off of him right i mean the the lingering wd that's always there if something goes wrong or he doesn't feel right but uh there's a lot more for me to like in day's game than there is in tiger's game i think ben i am seeing jason day as potentially the highest owned 8k guy well yeah that's you know when you can, when ownership masses on a guy that has serious red flags, like Rick talked about, um, 
it's somewhat appealing to just go elsewhere and hope you get away with it. Now, I like Day in a vacuum. I think his game can translate. He's a great putter, great crafty short game. But at the same time, you have reasonable pivots, a couple hundred dollars more and less. So if you say, I'm going to let other people take a guy that easily could burn uh, a lot of the field, I get that reasoning. So I probably try to cancel him. I don't want him to define my week. And I, I'm not exactly sure what I want to do in terms of leverage. So I, I come in towards the field. That's my plan, at least. Well, I think I'm going to go full fade on Jason Day. The one guy I can't wrap my mind around is the guy who's $100 more. And it doesn't seem like everyone's just off of him all of a sudden. No one wants to use Victor Hovland anymore, Rick. Yeah, pretty shocking because for the first, I don't know, five or six events that he played in the restart, he was legitimately the best tee to green player on the planet, on, on the tour. Now, it's been uh, a little bit rocky since, you know, he finishes 48th at the Memorial, he finishes 59th at the WGC. This is going to be his first PGA championship, but he's played U.S. Open and the Masters, and I'm pretty sure he was the low am in both of them, so it's not like he's... Uh, He's lacking on any experience or playing well in a major championship. Yeah, I, I kind of like him as a as a way to, and, and maybe you don't need to pivot from guys in, in the mid eights. You can play two of them or whatever. But like if, if Morikawa is going to eat up a lot of this ownership, I mean, Victor Hovland, if he can just find a way to be field average around these greens and roll in like two more putts than usual, I mean, he, he's in this thing. And, and we saw that in the restart. To your point at the, t- at the top, Pat, like, Colonial, uh, RBC Heritage. I mean, we had weeks that had major championship-like fields that are o- only slightly worse than we are going to get this week. So I-, I think there's a lot to like about Hop. So looking at those custom stat rankings from FantasyNational.com, again, slash Mayo at the end of FantasyNational.com, gets you 20% off. So I highly recommend you take advantage of that. Justin Thomas ranks out number one in my power rankings. Colin Morikawa is number three. Victor Hovland is number two, Ben. Like... Could I just start my team, JT, Morikawa, Hovland, and then fill out the rest? I mean, you definitely can do that. I think that Hovland and Morikawa do pair together nicely because they both, to me, I would want somewhat easier conditions. I don't want a lot of scrambling. They're both probably going to almost make an albatross. Every time I turn on the TV, one of them is is about to make a tap in Eagle. So <laughs> you've got eight chances at that with them. And we'll see. I, I still think that there are some parts of Hovland's game clearly with the putting and around the green that aren't going to translate perfectly to majors. But as Rick did, that U S open was brutal. Uh, and he was as dialed in as could be. And he was certainly way more inexperienced then. So there is a case to be made. Yeah. The reason that I like Morikawa more than I like Hovland this week, Rick is because Morikawa just hits a ton of fairways. Not that Hovland doesn't, but that's more of Morikawa's game. He went to Cal, which is what, like 20 minutes away from this course. I know it's going to be different, but he should at least be familiar with some of the green complexes. Like he's not a good chipper as well, but maybe he understands the around the green game here a little bit better. How uh, the different, how the slope of the fairways go, how the slope of the greens go. That could be in advantage for him and where there's not a bunch of fans around this is usually how he's going to see the course and from like 175 and up the guy is Rory McIlroy with his irons yeah he's pretty unbelievable I, I think that's fair I, I think they're you're splitting hairs I could probably flip a coin between these two guys I, I'd be very interested to know what their ownership checks in at but everything that you just described about Colin Morikawa I I endorse right I mean he's he's unbelievable off the tee his irons are 
I mean, they're probably he's probably a top three iron player on on tour. And and I do like the local aspect of it. And and honestly, it might even help that there's no fans there because obviously that's what he's used to in college. But usually when guys go to like their home area or places that they have a lot of people, you know, it's obligations. It's getting them tickets. It's having dinners. It's all that stuff. Probably not going to happen for Colin Morikawa this week. Or if it if it did, he's probably already done it uh, so he can just focus on golf from here on out. Ben, let's jump into the high sevens. Uh, I think this is going to be a super popular area because the most common builds in my mind are going to be one of those 10K guys, Cantlay or Dustin as your second guy in, and then people just flooding this area uh, with a bunch of players as well. So I can't believe I'm saying this. I really like Jordan Spieth, Ben. Oh, (laughs) really? Yeah. You don't think that he's going to run out of balls? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. They say these cypress trees aren't forgiving. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he lost only three. I mean, it was four rounds, like three strokes off the tee last week. Everything else is great. Listen, the irons are good. World-class short game makes more long putts than it seemingly anyone. The one thing I'll say about speed that I do like from what I've read, and feel free to disagree, obviously, it seems like this course is going to bogey you to death where it's really hard to make like a monster number. And it feels like when Spieth has problems, he's rolling along and then he makes like a nine. Uh, so if he can just limit the damage to just bogeys here and there, I actually think he could be effective, but I still have uh, several other guys ahead of him. That's for sure. Well, Rick, there are two things for me with Spieth when it comes down to it. One is in his past 16 rounds, the past four years at the PGA championship, he has yet to lose strokes to the field in any round. In strokes game total. He's been a positive player in every single round. The only other player to do that, I believe, over that large of a sample, it's only eight rounds, is Sung Kang, who apparently plays really well in these PGA conditions, which is a completely different setup from the USGA and the PGA Tour. There's something about this. And what Ben hit on, I think, is the big thing. It's the bogeying to death. If I think this is going to play hard, whether the course plays, it's almost like Patrick Reed in a weird way. Whether the course plays easy or hard, they just play exactly the same. Uh, and if other players are making bogey, Spieth was going to make those bogeys anyway, but he's also going to make birdies in the weirdest way possible. I think if this turns in to like that minus eight to minus 12 range, like even look back at the PGA championship last year, Spieth had no business being in the mix with the guys that were on that leaderboard. And all of a sudden there he was. So the argument for Spieth about those bogeys, I, I was kind of thinking about it in the way of, of how bad he is off the tee. Like, like when you get these narrow uh, landing areas for fairways, there's going to be a lot of missed fairways this week. Well, okay, Jordan Spieth always does that. He was going to miss the fairway anyway. If the rest of the field kind of comes down to him a little bit, that might actually benefit Jordan Spieth. And I will say, if you look at his approach numbers over the last four weeks, they're good. He has been sick. Yeah, he's been significantly better than anything we've seen in the last, I don't know, 12 months from him. I mean, he's gained in three of uh, three of four and he's gained like a, a good amount. So there is growing optimism for Jordan Spieth as long as he keeps that magic short game, that magic putter. And what I always do like about Spieth is um, this guy grinds, right? I mean, every single shot, whether it is the John Deere Classic on Thursday or it's the 72nd hole at Augusta, it's like the same attention level. And when you talk about how important every birdie is, uh, how important it is to make the cut, to try to get six of six through, like I like to roster guys that care and that grind and they're not going to eject on a Thursday morning if things go wrong and Spieth fits that mold as well. So I'm probably more, uh, more warm on him than I've, than I've been in quite some time, but I think there's reason for it. 
Ben, I think I, I'm waiting for an even better number. I saw on DraftKings Sportsbook, he's 70 to 1. On the one I can play, he's 66 to 1. I think I might actually take the take the leap on Jordan Spieth this week for the first time in ages. But the other guys in this upper range that I have the most interest in, like you have your Woodlands and Finaus up here. Listen, they're, they're fine plays. Answer and Sergio probably fine plays as well. I got a star next to Adam Scott, Louis, and Shane Lowry. Those, along with Spieth, I think might be my four from this range. And I, I really want to pull the trigger on Justin Rose, but it terrifies me. Yeah, he's really tough. I wish I had some insight into what's going on. Obviously, he chose not to play last week. He hadn't been good. Um, and I just don't exactly know where his game is at. Now, this price is as good as we're ever going to get for him. I think I kind of split the difference. And the one guy you, you actually did mention, Tommy Fleetwood, $100 less, uh, shaking off the rust i'm glad obviously he got four rounds last week as everyone did closed with a really good one on sunday and hard conditions not going to be a problem reasonable price i think i lean to him over adam scott who of course the big question mark is you know will not playing for like six months affect him it didn't at riviera when he took the first two months off and all of a sudden he just comes out and wins what do you make of scott rick yeah, I'm I'm more in the camp of it's really difficult to replicate PGA Tour conditions in general. It's even more it's even impossible to replicate uh, PGA Championship or major like conditions. Now I know he's been at TPC Harding Park since I think I want to say Saturday. There were there were some some swings of him coming out playing some holes early uh, earlier than most, especially while the WGC was still going on. So I don't know. I'm I'm probably more pessimistic on him. I'm taking a wait and see approach just because I think it's so hard to thrust yourself into major championships and contend with with however many guys that are are in this field um i'm kind of with with ben tommy fleetwood is someone that i've put a lot of eyes on in the last couple of weeks he's been in a lot of featured groups and as stupid as this sounds and this probably goes for a lot of guys on the tour like he's been great when he's in the fairway which is like okay he's been all like he's hitting his irons awesome um it felt like he put himself in a couple of awkward situations that as that rust gets shaken off, as he starts to, you know, feel PGA tour level rough, as he starts to hit those long, awkward bunker shots more, that's where he lost a lot of strokes in his, in his first six rounds back on tour. Uh, I expect that to kind of work its way out as he plays more, which he's, which he's doing now. I think that Tommy, I like Tommy this week as well, but I think that he's going to fall into the same effect that Rory always does where no one's going to like talk up Tommy Fleetwood and then all, but people just play him every week. Like people play Xander Shoffley every week. People play Tommy Fleetwood every single week. That's just what happens on DraftKings. Same as Tony Finau. Like is Finau just going to suck up a bunch of ownership here, Ben? That's possible. Yeah, there are guys. And I think it's because people like, it's the opposite of Reed. Nobody ever plays Reed because uh, I don't think people like him. Um, which is it's counterintuitive in, in a way, but yeah, Finau, Fleetwood, I don't think they're going to be sneaky, but at the same time, this is a range that's littered with, I, I think, pretty risky propositions. And as crazy as it sounds, Fleetwood to me is one of the least concerning. I think he's going to play just fine. So I'm going to go there. I, I, I wouldn't fault anyone for rolling the dice with Rose or even speed to an extent. I just, I, I don't know if this is the range where I really want to make a big splash. Uh, Ricky, or I was going to call you Ricky. Rick, what about these other guys uh, around here? Like you got Woodland, Answer, Sergio, Phil, Sungjae, Cooch, Leishman, Wolf, and everyone's statistical darling, Paul Casey. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, I, I mean, I think Sergio's kind of interesting, and I'm not a big Sergio guy, but he was second in the field in strokes gained off the tee to only Bubba Watson, I believe, last week at the WGC. So he's a at least a little bit interesting. And it pains me to say, Pat, that um, my my lovely Sung J M is broken. Unfortunately is broken and he needs a hard restart. He needs a new operating so uh, system. He needs something because the irons have been so br Is there, is there anyone, maybe him and Rory, is there anyone that the, the break hurt more than this guy? He was rolling. I have 140 to one P uh, Sung J M ticket from December that like, you know, in, in March I could have got, you know, I could have cashed out for, and now I'm sitting here holding it thinking it's got no chance. Yeah. I have to say, I have him and Hov. <laughs> from December when we did the future shows it was like these are going to be great bets by the time the PGA championship comes along and if there hadn't been a break they would have been like you said he would have been like 28 to 1 to win this tournament if it actually happened in May yeah but he has been brutal like what, ben, what do you make of that though because although he's been crappy I think he's only missed one cut he finds his way you know he's he's a grinder uh last week he gained a boatload of strokes putting but you can only you know, we, I'll go back to speed. Honestly, you can only do that for so long until you get exposed. Like it, it's impossible to work in and out of trouble constantly. It puts tremendous pressure on your short game and he's just losing consistently with the iron. So I have no doubt he'll get it back. I just am not going to predict that it's this week. What do you do with that Lowry, Cooch, Leishman, Wolf, Casey, 7,500 range? Like, I have Lowry starred right now. I just like the way he's been playing T to green, but I don't know what to make of any of these guys. Like, it's a major. Cooch is like a free square. That's usually what people say. But, like, I, just while following him last week at the, at the WGC, it's like, oh, he's doing great. Oh, he's in the water. Oh, he just made a triple bogey somehow. Like, his game is all over the place. Yeah, it's not good. He's another one. He's been doing it with the putter. The ball striking's unimpressive. He's also grouped around. I mean, the names you just rattled off are, that's an interesting bunch. You know, Louis is someone I always go to. The problem is I like to go to him blind. Like I played him last week. He showed form last week. That's almost the, I know it's ridiculous, but that's almost the last time you want to go is when ownership may creep to Usti, Lowry, tough conditions. I get it. I have to ask, are either of you seriously considering playing Paul Casey? I'm yes, but I'm not <laughs> going to Rick. I am definitely a glutton for punishment. So I normally would, I, I haven't decided yet. I would definitely say I'm much more likely to play Paul Casey than a lot of people are because I am like, I'll double, triple, quadruple down, whether it's right or wrong. Um, which is scary, but, but yeah, I, I probably, I probably will get some action on him. So no, I just don't know. Like his, it's not that the ball striking has been particularly bad with Paul Casey. We know he's a terrible putter anyway, but like the around the green game has been atrocious. And if he can't like scramble here, he's, he's cooked, but he is also the guy that brought Rory to 21 holes at this course in the quarterfinals in the match play. When the last time we saw a tournament here in 2015, like it's, I feel like if I don't take him, it'll just make like, do we think that Paul Casey is going to win? If the answer is no, like I, I'm good with just fading him. That's actually, uh, I think, a really sharp point because I'm tossing and turning with this. And it's just like, what exactly is the point of playing him if you're hoping, if his stability is gone, uh, that really kicks one of his biggest features. So if you're like, I'm going to play Paul Casey because he's going to make the cut and he's going to come in 30, 30, he's not going to tank my lineups. That ship, I can tell you firsthand, that ship has sailed. So unless you think there's some upside there, and I'm not saying I don't per se, 
I probably would just roll shares to Leishman, roll shares to Lowry, do other things because uh, there's no stability in Paul Casey's game right now. So the bottom of this 5K range, uh, there's one name that sticks out above everyone else that everyone's going to want to play, and I think he's going to be incredibly popular, and I don't know what to do with him because I want to play him, Rick. 7400 bucks. what do we do with Shiz? Yeah, it's interesting. I uh, he, I mean, he's obviously low-key been very good. Obviously, the, the sixth-place finish last week was much more public, but he was playing well before that. And I was looking for a reason not to play him, and I was like, I bet you he stinks at PGA Championships. Like, I bet you these courses are are too long for him. They're too big for him. It's whatever. Uh, no, he's, like, pretty good at PGA Championships, too. He's got three straight top 25s. Um, I, I really like him here. Now, I think there's other options where, you know, Scotty Scheffler's playing better, and he makes a ton of birds that I think you can do a little pivot towards. But I mean, I'll, I'll get some chess. I'll just put him in lineups where, you know, I'll be different in other places. I won't let one guy's ownership dictate how my lineups are going to go when I'm making lineups as a whole. So there's, there's some intriguing pivots. I mean, Scotty Scheffler, I'm, I'm probably not going back to Benny on, uh, but, but yeah, I, I do like, I do like Revy. I don't think there's a reason not to other than the ownership play. Ben, yes or no on <laughs> Revy. Yeah, he's playing well. Uh, I think he fits exactly what you want in this range. Um, that's not to say that there aren't pivots off a guy like Chez. Like this is, I know that we've played tournaments with a field nearly as strong, but to me, there is a difference between majors and everything else. And although he's shown it here and there at PGA is, I don't know if Chez is best suited for this. So I will have some Chez. I will gladly pivot. If I think it's going to be easy, I'll pivot to Neiman. Um, if I think there's going to be a lot of scrambling, I certainly will not. So I, I think that's the way that you kind of have to differentiate it here. Like, I think Billy Horschel is going to be relatively popular at the same price as Shez, too. So maybe that does alleviate some of those problems. But I have Shez, Neiman, Matt Wallace, that if it plays hard, I like Matt Wallace a lot. And then at the bottom, one of my guys and one of your guys, Ben, Kisner at 71, Kevin Na at $7,000. I think these are two egregious. They're not egregious prices based on like where everyone else is priced because it's soft. But like in the betting market, I don't understand why these guys are as low as they are. Yeah, listen, uh, this is what my one of my biggest things in DFS is. And I said this and you talked about it too. Give me a guy that can do one thing great down here because they're not going to have well-rounded players per se. And Kisner and Na both can do that. They can get hot. We've seen them. Kisner's competed in a PGA before uh, dark horse potential winners, no doubt about it in my mind, my, I will have exposure at, in the low sevens. Yeah. And Rick, this doesn't really play into the, I mean, Nas is kind of weird because every time he completes a tournament, he tends to play pretty well, but he's also a WD risk, but he's also someone no one's going to play at the same time. And he has a pretty decent major track, major championship track record. Like he pops up from time to time and you know, he's going to hit some fairways. He's good with his long irons. He can putt Kisner. There's no real statistical basis for, but plays better at bent grass courses when the greens are bent grass. He hits a ton of fairways and we've seen him just play well in really strong fields. Like, especially versus like, I like EVR. I like Max Homa. I like Bjorn Hanan and all these guys. And I like Stenson a lot too at 7,300. But Kisner's just one of these guys that if it turns into a tougher course, it's going to be a grind. I like his prospects. Yeah, he's a good grinder. I mean, Kevin Na is probably the most not un, not talked about guy who actually wins golf tournaments. Like he he's won multiple times in the last eighteen months or something like that, which that guys down in this range don't do. Um, I do like Ben mentioning Joaquin Neiman because when you look at other courses, so TPC Harding Park 
par 70, Bankrest 7,200 yards. Uh, the old white TPC, that's where the Greenbrier is. That's where Joaquin Neiman won. Uh, par 70, 7,290 yards. Bankrest, green sizes are within 300 uh, square feet on average of each other. Obviously, much different conditions when you're talking about an event like Greenbrier and uh, how difficult it's going to play versus what the PGA Championship at TPC Harding Park we're going to see. But Neiman is another one of those guys with legitimate winning upside that I don't think you can find as much in the bottom of the seventh. Yeah, I like Neiman and the approach. Like, if this does turn into a ball striker's paradise, it's like Ben mentioned, if it plays a little bit easier, that's perfect for him. Uh, if that's the case, Bubba at 74, Ben? I mean, Greenbrier, yeah. Listen, Bubba, I am kind of shocked that he hasn't taken a week off. I'm not, I don't know how to quantify that, but him and Matthew Wolf have played every single week. I believe it's 10 straight now. Um, you know, I, I don't know with Bubba's unique game, he's either going to seemingly love or hate a course right off the bat, but you could do worse at 7,400. We, we know that when he gets going, he's as honestly as elite as they come. Let's jump into the sixes. Is there any 6,000 player, Rick, that just leaps off the page to you as a must play? I'm playing a ton of Sung Kang at 6,400 bucks. That makes a lot of like really high-end lineups work for me. Uh, I think he plays well in California. He has a ton of driving distance, and you know he's bound to challenge for a hole-in-one almost every single week because that's kind of his game. He can go so poorly the other way, but he's never lost strokes in any round to the field of the PGA Championship. That's going to be one of my guys. So I need to fill out the rest of my 6K guys if I want to go this low. Is there anyone that, like, you're like, huh, that's a bad price. You got to play him. I have two that I thought were a bit mispriced. The first one, $6,900. It's Ryan Palmer, who's having a really good year. I mean, he was in contention at the Sony until his approach shot on the 72nd hole. He was in the final group at Torrey Pines before he faded on Sunday. Ryan Palmer is now like, like third in the field in strokes gained T to green last week at the WGC. I think he's low key. One of these guys who doesn't care what type of event it is. He can compete in any single type of field that that we have and he's the guy at 6900 bucks that's probably the most appealing to me under 7000. Uh Ben is there one guy for you in the 6k range that kind of jumps out cuz I was looking at Palmer, I was looking at Damon and Lucas Glover was another one that I just think that are guys that can probably make the cut. Yeah, I looked at Lucas Glover as well, but what I was drawn to is that VJ Singh withdrew and Emiliano Grillo is oh, now God. in the field. Um he's playing much better if it has to scramble. It's over, obviously. But again, if you're talking about Neiman, I don't think it's that different, to be honest. Like, I will attach him to some pure ball striking teams and let it fly. Pure dark horse. Brian Harmon is someone who can get crazy hot. Yes, he's more of a Bermuda guy, but we've seen that upside. We've seen him compete in some strong fields, 6,600 you know, probably a one percenter, but you could do worse than him down here. Yeah. If you just wanted to target like specific skill sets, I, I know yep. it, this is me talking, but Luke list is someone <laughs> that if this is a bomb and gouge type course his around the green numbers have really spiked back up Rick that he can get himself out of trouble now, which is really nice. Uh, yeah, certainly better than all those other bets you put on him over the years. I feel like this is one of the one of the better spots you could be in. Yeah, I, there's been a little bit of a resurgence in Luke List. Obviously, the win on the Corn Ferry Tour a couple of weeks ago helps. I don't care what tour it is. If you win a golf tournament against you know 150 of your peers, that is a good thing. And and List is improving in some of the categories that he was absolutely horrendous at. So uh, he's not usually for me, but I could see it coming from you know coming from your point of view. Ben List or your guy. Duffner, former PGA championship winner. 
Ooh. Uh, so it's interesting. Duffner, obviously off the tee, he gains. He just doesn't gain with distance at times. I think, though, what you said about List makes a lot of sense. His ability to not blow up now around the greens does give him some outs. Uh, I actually wouldn't be shocked if I have him in the player pool. So I'm going to go List even against my boy. Uh, then if this turns out to be like, if it just looks like conditions are going to be brutal, what about the native son of Slovakia, Rory Sabatini? <laughs> That's not my t- him and Cam Smith. I just pretend that they don't exist, and then I just hope that it works out because I I can't even begin to get them right. Nothing stands out. Uh, I don't know. Rick, I I can't even with Rory Sabatini. Yeah, Rick. By the numbers since the restart, these are the best guys on the stats that I'm looking at from my modeling. Uh, Russell Henley is inside the top five. Uh, Harold Varner the third. And Lucas Glover. Those are your best options, along with Nick Taylor and Tyler Duncan. I could probably make an argument that Lucas Glover is one of the most mispriced golfers, at least in this range. I mean, when you look at some of the other guys, he's $6,700. He missed the cut at the 3M. It was his only missed cut since the restart. And I think, you know, like five of those he finished in the top 25. He's been really good from tee to green. But you look at some of the guys that he is priced with. Uh, Keegan Bradley, whatever, JT Poston, Martin Keimer, Juice Luton. I, I, like, I would rather have Lucas Glover uh, significantly more than, mo- than almost every single one of those guys. I could make the argument he should be in the low sevens uh, with the way that he has played in some of these bigger, stronger fields since the restart, not paired with, you know, Luton, who's coming over from the Euro Tour and, uh, you know, JT Poston and guys like that. Yeah, Ben, the last thing you can do, like if you wanted to pair someone with List, I think Kokrak works really well. He's played really well in California, hits at a mile. I think that would be more as a part of a skill set stack team, though, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, one of the things, just to be careful with skill set, it's more important to me to pair the your lower end guys than your top. Like, I, you know, at over at Awesome, a lot of times we're talking in Slack and people will be like, well, Bryson doesn't really fit that. And it's like, well, those guys, they don't need, they don't have a type. Yes, they might have preferences, but they can play in any course if they bring their A game. But someone like Kokrak or Harmon or Kisner, those types, to me, you really want to make sure you're playing them with similar type guys if you're going for a correlated team. So the last thing as it pertains to DraftKings strategy is this is a field of 156 players. Eventually, we're going to figure out what the cut is. If you work for the like PGA.com and you know what the cut is, like please email me or tweet at me that you have the official like link to show us whether it's top 65 or whether it's top 70. But there are 20 scrubs in this field, essentially. The PGA professionals, great players, I'm sure, in their own right, but they're being priced the same as Von Taylor who is someone who's won on the PGA Tour. These are club professionals. I'm sure like one or two of them may sneak through to the weekend, but essentially I'm treating those guys as if they don't exist. They're all at the min. So that shrinks the field from 156 to 136 pretty quickly. And there's a bunch of guys from like the Asian Tour, the Korean Tour, the Japanese Tour, like my guy Ryo Ishikawa is in the field. Like those guys aren't contending. There's the senior tour winner. He's not contending. So overall, Ben, do you think it's going to be easier to get a six of six through? Because it's really a field of only 130. So it, it will be easier to get a six of six through uh, because of that. But the problem with it, on the other hand, is, is the field from top to bottom is still so strong that the top end guys can't bring their C game and just coast. Uh, so you're going to be able to get through. Everyone has a better chance to make it through, but you're going to see big names cut just by the nature of the, the depth of the field. 
Uh, Rick, what would you say is like the best tip for DraftKings players if they were just like getting into it this week? Like just something to keep in mind. Like, would you say worry about ownership? Because if you're a first time player and you just want to fill out a lineup, I would say no. Uh, definitely not because you might not even know what the ownership's going to be, right? I mean, if, if we say it's going to be 10 and it ends up being 15 and, it, and if you're doing it on the guys that are su- super important, right? We talked about the effect of Rory McIlroy earlier where nobody talks about him. Nobody talks about him. Uh, we say nobody's going to own him and he pops up at 25% on Thursday morning. Uh, like that's a pretty big deal. So there's no reason to construct all of your lineups, especially if you're new based on ownership, if you might not know what's going to happen, right? So, uh, yeah, just go fill out your lineups. If you are super concerned about being unique, if you're super concerned about uh, trying to win a million dollars and not splitting it 110 ways, just spend like 49700 and roster anybody you want. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I would say just leave like 100 or $200 like of your salary cap on the table and you should be probably pretty good. And if you get into a one-way split for a million bucks, I think you're going to be okay <laughs> winning the 550 k Ben. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think really... Um, if I had to say one thing, it would be don't over, just don't overreact to recent form. Uh, certainly consider it, but guys can turn it on and off, uh, really quickly. So if you like a guy and you say, yeah, he hasn't been great. I think you can still go for it. Um, you're trying to beat a large amount of people. And sometimes a guy actually not having the best results can, can really depress the ownership when overall there's not a big problem, uh, or of an overarching problem, I guess. Well, I mean, if that's the case, if we're not going to take recent form into consideration, why don't we just all play Adam Hadwin, who plays really well in California? Yeah, that guy shoots like 57 occasionally, so <laughs> yeah. I, I don't I don't hate it. But uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I remember, obviously, it's easy to say this now, but like at Memorial with Rom specifically, like he wasn't playing great. He had just played the course, but you, sometimes you just have to hang on with some of these guys. I, I know it's a fine line because you can hang on for like six years like I do with Decky, but you know, at the same time, these guys can really turn it on quickly. It can change week to week. Rick, you are at rickrungood.com. Same on Twitter, same on YouTube, and you're working with CBS Sports. Tell everyone what you got going on this week and where they can find you during the live coverage. Yeah, wall-to-wall coverage for both CBS and rickrungood.com. So all my stuff's up on YouTube right now, but uh, there will basically be lead-in coverage to uh, the telecast every single day that I'll be on in some form or fashion on CBS Sports HQ. We do uh, top-of-the-hour live looking, so they show shots, then we talk about them, which is pretty cool. We got stuck in that uh, JT Morikawa playoff the other week at, at work day. And we're sitting there for an hour, just calling the shots. Cause we got stuck on air. Uh, but that's always a good time. And yeah, Rick run good on Twitter. That's where everything's at. Ben awesome. What is happening over there for PGA championship week? Plus all the other sports you got going on. Yeah. So obviously again, wall to wall coverage, we'll have shows Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, live before lock on Wednesday, articles, Alex's projections and ownership, Um, And of course the premium tools behind the paywall. And then that's just like you said, baseball, basketball, football is going to be starting. It's an absurd, unprecedented time. So if you're playing a lot of different sports, come on in. We would love to have you. I'm Pat Mayo. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and the Instagrams as the kids say, I don't think that's banned yet at the PME, T H E PME. I'll be doing giveaways on Twitter noon PM 
12 p.m. Eastern Time on Twitter at the PME. That's going to rental to the live chat. 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time on the DraftKings YouTube channel on Wednesday. Cut Sweats live on Friday evening as we get through everything. I might even do a Thursday showdown show just for kicks to see if I'm, if I'm feeling. If my wife lets me out of the house and the kids aren't crying, I'll try to sneak away for half an hour to talk about round one. Maybe have one of these guys on as well if they have open time. I haven't ran this by them, so I'm putting them on the spot right now. I'll just call them out of nowhere and say, hey, we're talking showdown. Let's do this. But other than that, fantasynational.com slash mayo for 20% off. Smash like to the episode. Leave a five-star rating and tell a friend about everything else. All of the other content, written, audio, video, no matter what it is, you can find in the description of this video and podcast. Go click on it all. Thank you all for watching. Good luck at the PGA Championship. I'll see you next time. Experience! Experience!